Welcome back to the Rage Fitness Wellbeing Podcast. And today we've got another special guest. And the guest is Zizzo. Zizzo has been on the podcast before. Um, and we got lots and lots and lots of messages of how amazing and inspirational the young man was. And from a social media point of view, and I'll, I'll just say into Zizzo, is we was also looking at... Um, the analytics and the feedback and the messages on Spotify and Apple Podcast, um, and the amount of positivity that come from it was amazing, really. Um, so if you haven't watched the first podcast from Zizzo, Saudi Raber's first professional boxer, I'd please ask you to go and watch that first and then watch this one. Um, so firstly, thank you for coming back on. Thank you for having me again. I, I I greatly appreciate your conversation last time and you being here. Oh, it was it was it was much needed for me. I told <laughs> you, you know my talks with with you, Craig, are therapy. Mm. It's much more than a podcast when I'm on I'm on talking with you. Definitely, and I think a lot of people from our point of view really felt the same because, as I was saying, is that I went over the analytics and and and, and the feedback and the messages and we put. Um, a question on the podcast and it says do you feel this podcast helped with your mental health and I think it was something like 87% said yes mm-hmm. so it was, it, was, it was much more engagement than other podcasts amazing and the feedback was amazing so yeah it might be therapy for you but it was also a lot of therapy for a lot of people that um, watch listened across Apple podcast YouTube Spotify Instagram so on and so forth so I want to thank you for the help and them people because I guess we don't realize how many people were reaching in this yeah. conversation which yeah. is nice this actually made me very happy you know oh, good <laughs> give, you a little, give you a little boost yeah, which is good exactly. yeah. um, so it was five nearly five nearly six months since we've last caught up oh because um, I was going back on the dates yeah yeah um, it's about six months and I th- did you release n- news yesterday or this morning about your yeah, next my, fight? My so next I, d- fight. I didn't want to say it. I wanted you to say <laughs> it. Um, so when's your next fight then? Next weekend. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> August 26th in uh, Poland. Amazing. On the undercard of uh, Usyk and Dubois. Very big fight. Again, you know, uh, this is this is how they're moving me right now. This is how I'm moving right now, mm. and uh, I'm just loving it, man. I'm 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 learning to love every every bit of it. So the last fight you was on, um, the Anthony Joshua on the card, wasn't it? Yeah, you? in the O2 in, in London. O2? Isn't it, that's that? You know what? These are what dreams are made of. Mm. It's crazy, and I I said this today. There is no getting used to your dreams coming true. There is no getting used to your prayers getting answered. Mm. You know, there is no getting used to this for me. So people might question why every single time I announce a fight, it's such a huge thing for me or I make such a huge announcement for it. It's because it's such a huge deal for me personally. You know, it's uh, I would have never thought that's how fast it would have happened. I always thought this is the scale of achievements that I want to be in, but I never thought it would come this fast. And and for it to actually come, there is no getting used to just getting something you've been asking for and wishing for for so long, you know? And I think it's amazing that you're getting these amazing opportunities. And I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to go out. I've watched every one of your fights and I'll be obviously watching next, <laughs> next week's one. Um, and it's such a special occasion, no matter who you are or where you come from. 
but as we la- mentioned last time, being the first mm. from your country, being the first is always a, a daunting task, I guess, at times. But then to fight on the under Joshua card and the user card, and then where does that take you thereafter? Do you know what I mean? It's, exactly. You've got the, the biggest stages mm-hmm. um, back to back, which is more important as well, because sometimes yeah. obviously you go left or you go right, but you've gone up again to the next big um, uh, fight in Poland, which is amazing to see. Yeah, Obviously for yourself to be in that position again, to be on a big show, to show your talent. Plus you're backing it up with wins. Because <laughs> if, if, yeah. if obviously if you're not doing so well, then you don't get those opportunities. Um, so congratulations on being announced on that fight. That's just yeah, thank you. It's amazing. Thank you, honestly, it's a gift, it's a blessing. And uh, I've learned that with as much pressure that it comes with, it comes with just as much privilege. Mm. And, uh, you know, the the bigger the exposure, the bigger the fight, the bigger the purpose I have outside of the fight. You know, the more of a battle I'm facing than just the fight that night. So the larger the audience that I could speak to and reach out to through my exposure on these cards is is just a privilege for me because this is this is why I'm here you know this is this is what I've always been saying you know boxing is a means mm. for me through a, a larger audience through a, a bigger picture a bigger fight that we're all fighting you know together not just the fight that I'm going through with my fists that's mm. that's the easiest one that's the easiest one, but the 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 larger fight we we all fight the day to day fight. That's what that's what I'm really fighting. And for the for the people that may be watching or listeners, depends whether what whether whether watching or listening from, what is that message? Because I know we touched upon it last time in the in, in March. What is that message? What is that bigger fight for you? What is that ambition to speak higher in a bigger audience on a bigger platform? What's that message that you want to share from yourself? You know, what people see fight night is only what they think is the fight. When the real fight was everything it took to reach that night. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's the three months before it that it took to get to that night. It's the thousands of hours that it took to get to that night. It's the days the long the early mornings and the even longer nights alone going through the good moments alone but you know these will pass too and then you go through the bad moments alone and you have to convince yourself these will pass too so when a good moment comes you know it will pass so you try to enjoy it while it's here Hmm. but when a bad moment comes it tends to stick around for longer than we'd like it because this one is the one that takes convincing. We have to convince ourselves that it's going to pass. And by the time we get through that process, we feel like it's lasting longer when in reality it just needs more work for it to go through just as in the same time. So that message that I always preach to a larger audience or when I'm exposed to a new audience is just that message that I always say, the message of unity, message of peace. And and now I've learned that 
I also want to keep delivering that message of acceptance, hmm. acceptance of emotions, acceptance of trauma, acceptance of struggles, conflicts, acceptance of timing, situations, the good, the bad, just acceptance. Because the sooner you accept it and the better you accept it, the sooner and the better you'll deal with it. I think from listening to all of that from our from our last conversation I think you helped a lot of people accept themselves I think because a lot of messages I got was that I've never thought of it in that way I always judge myself I didn't think I was good enough or some other negative emotion towards oneself and we put a lot of reels up on social media. Mm. A lot of people followed you on the back of the podcast. Yeah. Um, and then every time you put a reel up and we put a reel up, I kept on getting a message going, oh, he's done it again. I feel amazing. I feel good, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so then that message does get through massively and it does impact people massively. Um, and I think being able to share it on, on the next stage, because obviously when you go and you win your next fight, then there's mm -hmm. a bigger fight and then a bigger fight. Exactly. And I think um, what, you what you surround yourself with as a human being is what you become. Mm -hmm. So then I think having you with us again, um, just spreading that, let's call the word positivity, as well as connection, unity, loyalty, um, self-acceptance. Um, I know on the back of this, you'll get even more messages and even more positivity from people that just feel better about themselves for watching the whole hour and a half or the two hours or whatever it'll be and or the 15 second clips and I think I don't know how much you think good you're given out in the world I don't know if you quantify that or you monitor that or you see how much good you're doing but from the time that we've that we've been blessed with your company um it's it's, it's a massive amount of positivity and support you're giving to people do you know on a wider scale, how much you're impacting people's lives, or do you just speak it and hopefully it reaches the right people? I just speak it and hopefully it reaches all people, hmm. not the right people. I just wanted to reach all people. And whatever you take from it is up to you, and whatever you leave from it is up to you because all our problems are relative. And so, what I try to speak about what I try to send my messages about is what I've been through and what is relative to me but what I feel like even if I speak 100% about what I've been through I know that even if 5% of what it took for me to get through it will help someone else mm -hmm. that's what I depend on so I don't track it or I don't monitor it I just put it out there I put the message out there because what goes around comes around mm. and I know in me possibly helping someone with what I've went through then one day someone is going to help me with what they've went through and I've learned that the purpose of going through a conflict or a struggle and getting through it, the real purpose is found in what you do after. The real purpose is found is in 
how you help others get through it easier than you have after you've went through it. That's what I found the real purpose in it become. You know, I've, I've found that, that, that adrenaline, that happiness, you know, of now I've been, I've been through something and I know how much it took out of me. Now my job is to take what it took out of me and give it to others so not as much is taken out of them. That's the real purpose. I was, um, I listened again to the podcast, I think it was just Ian a little bit this morning, mm. and I wrote it down on my other phone, but I haven't got my other phone with me. And you said um, a sentence similar to what you said there, and it's the first time I've heard it being articulated or spoke about in that way. And I think it was about um, what you've done for yourself and then what you give to others to help them. Mm. And I listened to it again, as I say, and, I, and it, again, it stopped me and made me think about my own life, what I've done to get to this position, and then the, being in a position that we can do this, and then this reaches more people, and then the people that come in here, we reach more people. And I think in the position that I'm in now, I don't see myself as an asset, an asset of helping people. I see the team or the asset that help people. Um, so then I did a post earlier on today of me boxing, actually, um, with a big, long, positive affirmation around don't give up, believe in yourself. There is speed bumps in the road, but continue. Mm -hmm. um, what's your camp been like for the last 12 weeks? Has it been the toughest, the easiest, the hardest, physically, mentally, emotionally? How's it been? Yeah, I mean, this is the first time I've done a 12-week camp. Usually I do eight weeks, nine weeks, but because I've come to realize that the work I've done so far has taken me that far, mm. and that far is not where I'm going to go. That far is not where I want to stay. So if I want to go even farther, you know, I need to put in more work and I need to catch up on a lot because of the background that I've come from, hmm. the reality of it and the reality of accepting it was my background in the sport is not as built and not as perfectly pillowed as the other fighters who have been training abroad with the equipment, with the boxing IQ, with the boxing experience, I didn't have that. So fact of the matter is I need to start putting in more work to catch up to that. Now I've put in enough work to get to where I have already, but where I have gotten already is not where I want to stay. Hmm. And it's not where time wants me to stay. You know, because time moves on not caring if we will move on with it. And experiences move on not caring if we will move on with it. Hmm. So the one thing that will get us to move on with time just as time will move on with or without us is acceptance. Acceptance of the situation at hand and acceptance of the solution to get through the situation at hand. And so my acceptance of the solution was I need to put in more work. 
well, that will hurt more emotionally. Mm. I know. And I always have known, but a part of me was running away from it. Running away from the time where I'm going to have to put in that amount of time in my work because I know what it will do to me emotionally. And so I found myself running away from these emotions. But then I've come to learn that the more you run away from unwanted emotions is the more they'll run after you. Mm -hmm. But if you stand and you meet them, you win. If you stand, you meet them, get to know them, welcome them in, accept them, then you will learn how to deal with them. And unwanted emotions doesn't mean it will stay unwanted even after you've welcomed them in to deal with them. They're only called unwanted because we don't like how they feel. But not because we don't like how they feel, it doesn't mean we can't deal with how they feel. And so I always knew I needed to put in 12 weeks and I took that leap, I took that step knowing the unknowns that would come with it. So the emotions that you mentioned that you're running away from, mm -hmm. I can probably, what I think I can relate to, and I'll, I'll let you explain your emotions and I'll explain my emotions, is that what are those emotions you were fearful of, afraid of, or potentially didn't want to feel with the extra four weeks going into a 12-week camp? What, what are those emotions? I mean, going into it, I made it seem so dark and so cloudy, you know, mm. a place where the sun doesn't shine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But what this camp has really taught me is giving myself 12 weeks, giving myself such a long time to prepare meant the stuff that I needed to now introduce completely new to me and I needed to improve on, I, I find it very difficult or I struggle most with the mental side of the sport. Hmm. But when I gave myself 12 weeks, I didn't struggle with the mental side of the sport because I had the patience, but this time I had the patience and time on my side. I usually have to convince myself of the patience when I don't really have time on my side, hmm. but I still have to learn to be patient. I have to teach myself to be patient given little time. But now when I'm, when I'm working on something new and I'm not getting it right the first week, the second week, the third week, the fourth week, I still have eight weeks. Hmm. And even if I don't get it right the first six weeks, I still have six more weeks. So it felt amazing from a mental perspective. It felt amazing from a physical perspective because right now I'm improving so much mm -hmm. because my, I'm, I'm calmer. And so I'm accepting to mistakes because I'm calmer in that I will get it right with time because the time is now on my side. So physically, it was amazing. Mentally, it was amazing. But emotionally, it was a pit, mm. you know?
uh, emotionally, it drowned me into a place where, and I'm saying this sitting in front of you right now, where I think it might be a whole fight in itself to come out of after. Mm. Just because of the emotional absence of so many things that I am built of, that I am made of, that were absent for way longer than I am used to. And that's the cloud that I was worried about. That's the place where the sun doesn't shine that I was, aw- that I was worried about. But I think that's the bit that I can relate to. So again, we're in total different careers, let's say. Total different spaces in profession. You're much younger than I am. Um, but from my perspective, from a business, trying to do as much as you can, trying to provide for family, trying to have a nice house, buy nice things, have time with Billy. My, I don't struggle physically because I love training. I love having that, that feeling. I don't struggle mentally because I train to feel mentally strong mm. and I do lots of different things around that from breath work, meditation, fighting. The emotional element is where it kicks into me. So where you're away potentially from family and friends and, and loved ones for 12 weeks um, and you know going into camp that might be the struggle part. From, from my perspective is that I'm hindering time with Billy, my son, to grow something or build something or um, provide, which is less time with Billy. Mm. So then that's my, I guess, emotional struggle weekly because I'd rather be sitting at home for 12 hours with Bill than in six hours of meetings. And that's a battle every day, I think, from my point of view. But then I go, but again, you look at the objective. The objective is to help people. The objective is to improve people. The objective is to make people feel safe and live a better life overall. And that's what we're doing daily, weekly with the podcast or in a support session or virtual project virtual product that we that we deliver um but that's the stumbling block that i struggle from emotional connection point of view is that how much is too much um so then you've done 12 weeks now you'll be fighting next week would you you're gonna have time off or you're gonna go into another camp what's the plan with that the plan is just thinking about now sitting Mm. in front of you and what we're talking about I'm not thinking about after the fight. I'm not thinking about fight night. I'm not thinking about yesterday because it's gone. And I'm not thinking about tomorrow because it's not promised. So, and I've learned that, I'd say, the hard way. But I've also learned that this is the best way. Sometimes learning something the hard way is the best way to learn it. But touching back quickly on the unwanted emotions that you're talking about, is the thing is when you go into something that you have been avoiding for so long because of emotions that you feel are going to hit you, once they hit you, you have to welcome them in. Hmm. And that's what happened with me. And that's what maybe will happen or is happening with you where... Because I knew this was the cloudy place, the place where the sun doesn't shine that I'm talking about is being away for so long 
the absence of so many emotional things, I know how big of a toll that takes on me. But I found myself in camp running away from these emotions every single time they, they were creeping in. Every single time these emotions of loneliness kept creeping in, I kept running away from because I, I, because I associated loneliness with struggle. Mm. I associated loneliness with trouble, you know. But then I learned to separate loneliness from isolation. Mm. And this is, this is the key part right now. It's one thing to be lonely. And it's another thing to be isolated because loneliness is what you decide to yourself once you start not accepting that you are isolating yourself. I'm isolating myself in camp because this is where the best version of me comes out. If I do a 12-week camp in the middle of all my comfort zones, this isn't, this isn't where the best version of me comes out. This isn't where my best performances in camp or my best numbers in my gym sessions or everything, none of that comes out when I'm surrounded by my comfort zone. So I learned that isolation and loneliness are two different things because in isolation, we reach elevation. Mm -hmm. In isolation, we reach elevation of our thoughts, of our ideas, of our performances, of our skills. This is where really the best version of you comes out, but it will only come out once you kick out the I am lonely part of it. You know, you start looking for ways to improve and not feel the loneliness. And then these ways will make you the best version of yourself. Because if you're surrounded by all your comfort zones, the stuff that you're used to, you won't look for these ways. Mm. You won't go out and search for stuff to upgrade your own self to start doing better, to start being better. And so I've just come to like the isolation. I've come to love the isolation because mm. I know this is what it takes not to achieve the goal that I'm trying to achieve, but to just simply become a better person. I've been looking at you, well, I've been following you since before March, I guess, this year. And you can see the volume of training that you've increased. So you, you, you're probably training earlier or doing more earlier and you're doing more in the evening. Um, I think that was outside the camp as well, isn't it? Inside the camp mm -hmm. from a strength outside conditioning session. It was, it was yeah. like... It's like he's not having a day off, is he? He's yeah. not. He's not. He's not taking that. Not taking it slowly. And again, it's like I was going to. I was going to reiterate, but you said it there. Is that to find any new successes, you have to be in that uncomfortable situation. Either that be in isolation, then you accept it. Yep. Either that be putting an extra two point five kilogram on the barbell to get your squat jump higher for for hip flexor, whatever that may look like. Um, and I think. The more volume you do of anything that's uncomfortable, the more your success be either that be a boxer, that be a dad, that be a parent, whatever that may look like. Um, how's Buddy doing? He's good. Buddy's good. You know, uh, he's uh, he's really actually this is this is the the happiest I've seen him with with my work, 
with my improvements and this is honestly the he's giving you lots of compliments then yeah yeah not compliments <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't give out really the compliments but but he's one of those people when you're doing good he stays silent oh, is he? Know? yeah so i've i've realized he's become quieter that's and good so when he becomes more quiet when you're working when you're sparring when you're training this is when you start realizing you're doing less wrong and you're doing more right that's good but um yeah you're right though i i did increase the volume of my work physically and mentally outside of camp when i don't have a fight when i don't have a date because of what i've been through since the last time we were here hmm. you know since the last time i was here i was preparing for the uh, the undercard of jake paul tommy fury and I was going into that fight when you, the opponent, was going to be very tough and everything. But what I went through and what it took for me to win after I went through it that night just kind of clicked a switch in me. Mm, found a new level. Yeah. So just to recap the fight very quickly. Yeah. I got knocked down mm. in the first round. I saw and it's a four-round fight. Mm. So that means I now have to get up, win all the rounds convincingly, because if it even looks to one of the three judges that I drew one round, I've lost the fight. I didn't draw the fight. I've lost the whole fight because I just got knocked down. And so the thing is, when you go through... A, a shocking moment quickly when you go through a shocking unwanted moment quickly or a shocking moment that you've prepared for whatever moment if it's a shock there are usually three ways that you can deal with shocking emotions the first way is either to accept the emotions deal with them and sort it out the second way is to dismiss the emotions completely. Irrelevant emotions, I don't have to deal with it, won't change anything in my life. Mm. And the third way is called parking emotions. And what parking emotions is, it means there are unwanted, shocking emotions that have just happened from a, a big moment right now, but I don't have time to deal with the emotions right now. I need to focus on the task at hand Parking emotions means I will deal with the emotions of that specific moment in the near future. Not now, but in the near future. And when I say near future, I mean 30 minutes, one hour. I don't mean days or mm. weeks, you know? Yeah. So that's what I had to do. When I got knocked down, I was so prepared because I have visualized this moment before. And the art of visualization is being in the moment mentally before you are really put in the moment physically. Mm. You've played it over and over in your head. You've played the outcomes. You've played the solutions over and over in your head where if you're put in that situation, you've been there. You've done that. You're calmer mentally now. And so calmness and chaos helps you deal with the chaos. I parked these unwanted emotions because when I was knocked down, in front of 25,000 people mm. in my country, in my backyard, after all the build-up, after the gruesome camp that I had for this fight, 
I felt everything. Everything. Fear, doubt, embarrassment. Mm. Anything you can name, I felt. And to many people, it was eight seconds where I was on my knees. But to me, it was eight years, eight hours. I thought about everything, my future, my past, the actions that are, that are going to happen from that, what the media will say, what I will tell the media, what mm. I'm going to say at the press conference. Am I going to lose my career right now? Am I going to lose the fight right now? And then something clicked. I don't have time for this right now. Because if I don't park fear, doubt, worry, embarrassment, I'm not going to be able to get up and win that fight. And so I visualized this moment. I knew that if I ever get knocked down, I'm going to stay on my knees despite any feeling I have. If I'm feeling good, if I'm feeling bad, I will stay on my knees for the eight seconds that I'm allowed to hmm. because I want to be smart and give my body the time to recover. Even if I don't feel it, I know my body needs the time to recover after a knockdown. Yeah. I get back up and I go, Craig, on autopilot. Mentally, I go on autopilot. What does that look like? What does that feel like? It's, it's a zone where you go into. It's a zone that you go into where it took me, you know, just that same amount of mental and physical capacity that it took to win that fight, took that same amount to get out of that zone after the fight. Okay. Mentally. You know, everything is flowing right now. It's fight or flight. Mm. That's the zone. And I just learned, if I lose this, I lose everything. Everything. And I went back to my corner, <clears throat> listened, stuck to the game plan, won the fight, br brought up a good fight as well. And when I was announced as the winner... It was such a relief for three seconds. <laughs> three seconds where it felt amazing. Mm. Then what happened? Remember these emotions that I parked? Yes. <laughs> it's now been 30 minutes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Now that the task at hand is done, mm. there's one more task that I haven't dealt with. And there's no running away from it. These emotions are all back. I'm standing on that ring, giving the post-fight press, you know, press talk and everything, feeling the emotions of fear, doubt, embarrassment, worry. And you know when you really want to cry mm -hmm. and that feeling is right mm -hmm. at your throat right here and you, you're just speaking so heavily, so yeah. slowly. I had that feeling, even though I've already won. I've won the fight. I've, I've escaped the embarrassment. I've escaped all of it. But I've escaped it only physically. Mm -hmm. And so after that fight in that locker room, I had to now teach myself that part of containing your emotions is to let them out. Sometimes part of containing your emotions that we're all being told to do we're all being taught to contain and control our emotions by keeping them in. 
when sometimes the best way to contain and control them is to let them out. And so I go into the locker room. I tell the guy at the door, no cameras. I just whisper it so fast as I'm going in. Mm. He stops every single camera in my home country. You know how that's like, that's like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. Closes the door. He closed one door. I opened another. I just started bawling, crying and crying and crying. But I knew that these were emotions of a moment that has passed. And time mm -hmm. passes not caring if we will pass on with it. And so I just moved on with time, yes, but just a little later than time has moved on. I think, obviously, the win, getting up, persevering, finding that grit, believing yes. in yourself, uh, having the trust in yourself to do the, do the job at hand. Um, you were still containing the energy of all that, let's call it negative emotion. Um, so then once you've done the job, as you say, hands raised, mm -hmm. three seconds of success and inhalation, whee! then when you put into that, that energy starts coming out of you because it needs to be released. Um, I've had that a long time ago, so I can understand that, re that relationship with feeling your throat where you want to start crying your eyes on, you're like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it's, it's such a positive thing because you can release it in, in the comfort of a locker room where everybody wants you which is hard in your own country. Um, and I think having the space to do that is equally important. And do you think is that that's the reasons why you've decided to go up to a 12-week camp or was there a different reason for that? Was it to become more prepared, to, to put more... Because you've had those doubtful thoughts, like, no, we need to do more because I've, I don't want to feel those potential emotions again, even if you visualise it or not. Because um, I think once you feel like that, it's not a nice feeling. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult to be in that space. Um, was that one of the reasons why you went up to 12 weeks? So see, that's one side of the cup. Mm. Once you go through unwanted emotions, this is a feeling I don't like, I want to avoid now. But the other side of the cup is I've went through <clears throat> the unwanted emotions. These are feelings that I don't want to feel again, but I have felt before. And now I know how to deal with them better if they come again. I've seen the worst of it. Mm. So how much worse can it get? I've seen the worst of it and the best of me has gotten me through it. And so if it happens again, I'm now more experienced to get through it. You don't walk into the storm and you come out the same way you've walked into it. You come out a better person, a more evolved person. And this is the thing. So that moment in my life, not only in the fight or in my boxing career, that moment in my life taught me that sometimes what we want to happen is not what is written to happen. Mm. And our job is to be best prepared to adapt to what is written to happen, not to adapt to what we want to happen, you know? Because who are you when times get tough? 
Who are you when the tables turn on you? This is what matters. What are you going to do then? This is what really matters. Because when things are going well, when things are going your way, we all know who you're going to be. Hmm. We all know how you're going to react. And we all know what to expect from you. But no one knows what to expect from you when tables turn and no one knows what to expect from you when it's now time to adapt to what is written, which you might think is not what you want. But with patience, nothing ever happens to you. Hmm. It all happens for you. And so if you adapt correctly, properly to what is written, it slowly becomes something that you want. You just have to be patient enough to let that pan out and see that. You have to be patient enough to give yourself the time and to give the world the time. What is written for me is exactly, maybe not what I wanted, but it is exactly what I needed. It's going to say that it's what you needed exactly. to adapt. And after that fight, this is what I needed. Hmm. What pushed me to a 12-week camp? This, not the unwanted emotions, but knowing that I have now come this far and this far is not going to help me when I'm about to perform at a level that is this high, where I have to go this far to reach it. This is not going to help. Mm. This is what these unwanted emotions taught me. Not that I don't want to feel them again, but if I feel them again... I want to feel them when I'm performing at this level, yeah. not at that level. So, like you said, you know, um, I've just had to accept these emotions. And once I've accepted them, I've learned to accept the solutions to them. I think the word adapt, I love that word adapt because that can mean anything. But from my perspective, it means a lot. And I think... For you, what was those adaptations you've now implemented into your life? Because you've been backed up against the wall, you struggled, you didn't like the feeling. What are those new adaptations? Because I know there's a lot of people in life struggling with lots of different issues outside of the ring, um, outside of profession. So what, ad what adaptations have helped you move up that level, would you say? Calmness, patience, and faith. And... Faith, whatever you believe in, mm. whatever religion, whatever idea, the universe, just have faith and have the patience to know that it is the unknowns that bring in the faith. This is what brings in the faith. It's us not knowing what will happen, not knowing what we will do about it, and not knowing who we will become after it, that's what brings the faith. But what ties calmness and faith together is patience. So these three pillars are essential to anyone's life, but are the most essential to my life. I've just learned that the best way to deal with chaos is calmness. And the best way to be calm is to co be composed. So I've just seen so much in my life since even the last time we spoke. If mm. it's in boxing 
or if it's outside of boxing where I've just seen that everything does eventually pass. And even if we don't see it in the beginning, we will see it later on. Even if we don't learn from it in the beginning, we will learn from it later on. Is it more painful to learn from it later on after it has happened? Mm. Yes, it's more painful. But do you learn more from pain? Yeah, you do learn mm. more from pain. I know it's hard to hear, but it's the truth. And so I've seen so much go. And when I say I've seen so much go, I mean even time. So I've seen time go that I didn't go with it after it has left me behind. And I've seen people leave from my life and I didn't leave them from my life after they have left. Mm. And I've come to learn that you learn more from those who go than those who stay. And those who will go are meant to go and those who will stay are meant to stay. But the only way to ever see that and the only way to ever, to ever learn that is time. Patience, faith, and calmness. And so these are the three pillars that I've just not introduced in my life, but really, really worked on in my life to have that Zen mentality, you know? Every time I'm around you, I feel Zen. <laughs> I do. And from either that be a posts, um, and I don't speak Arabic, but when I see a post, I feel, yeah, it's like 4.04 in the morning, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's I, it. I feel it. <laughs> and I don't know what I feel, but I feel something, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And it could be saying also, it could be saying Craig's a prick, but I'm like, I like, I feel the vibe, and I, I said that to Jordan when the left, I said his energy. I didn't say calmness. I think I said peace. It's peaceful. Your energy is... is. I think that's why I connect so well with you because I try to be calm. I try to have faith in whatever that means for me. Um, and I try to have patience around Billy as much as I can be mm. because challenging with children, isn't it? So a scene that you went to... I, I might be butchering this, but you went to um, an after party or a mm. party... After um, the fight, um, Mike Tyson was there. Lots of other uh, royal families were there. A lot of other special guests were there. Um, what did that feel like? Felt like a dream. Mm. You know, they they say you only dream with your eyes closed, but <laughs> I'm telling you now, I was dreaming with my eyes wide open. It felt it just felt like how did my 11-year-old self who started boxing, you know, without anything that would really guarantee him even 1% of making it to that moment that I was in there. How did, how did that 11-year-old make it now to this moment? That's what I felt. I felt like my 11-year-old self was there that night, you know, I was watching it and obviously I've got the privilege of meeting you and speaking to you and I watched your fights and I was sitting there going I was amazed that you were there 
And I was amazed that you had this opportunity. So was I. Did at any point, did it feel like um, you shouldn't have been there? Or any times you felt like you were um, struggling to be there as in from an imposter syndrome perspective? It felt more like whatever the next moment that they are expecting me to be there in, I'm not sure that I will be capable of being there in, mm. you know? So it's not that, so yes, I, I, I did go through and I do still go through imposter syndrome. And I say that I do still go through imposter syndrome with so much pride when saying it because I will touch on that in a minute, but there I did, yeah, I, I did feel imposter syndrome, but when I feel it, I feel it's the, it's the times that they expect me to show out in next that I don't really believe or I didn't really feel like I will be able to show up at, hmm. you know? Will I be able to meet their expectations? Am I the person who will meet those expectations, you know? And it's a road where I know I will go through the time where those expectations will have to be met, but am I the person hmm. who is able to meet those expectations? And I've come to learn two things from imposter syndrome. Is one the thing that most the thing that gets us to stop doing something after we've started it most is that we base it on the timing and expectations of others not our own timing and not our own expectations of ourselves because me and you could be on the same road have the same capabilities but we are not the same person we will reach the same milestones. We will hit the same targets, but you might reach it. But you might reach it after than I will. I might reach it long after than you will. But does that mean I won't reach it? Hmm. That doesn't mean that. So I've come to learn that if I truly want to be the person who will meet those expectations that they have of me, I need to be a person with my own expectations of when I want to reach those expectations. That is the one thing I learned. And then the second was when you feel imposter syndrome, it means you're doing something right. Hmm. Because you are on the road that is less walked. You are on the road that is less understood, less seen, but now you are the one who is going to introduce that to everyone who hasn't seen it, who, to everyone who doesn't understand it, and to every single person who hasn't walked that road. You are on the road that is less walked. That is imposter syndrome. And so do not worry or panic when you feel like you are not the person everyone thinks you are, because no one really thinks anything of you or 
has expectations of you because they don't know much about what you are really going through, what you are really trying to achieve. That is imposter syndrome. So I just learned that. I learned to enjoy it. I learned to find the privilege in it where I now hold something that hmm. I'm going to be able to show and talk about <laughs> later on. I think it's it's quite refreshing to hear it in that sense because I think a lot of people see um, imposter syn- syndrome as a, as, a, as a huge negative in life. And you can see why. But yeah. I think if you see it as, as an opportunity to raise expectations or set new expectations exactly. and um, leading a path for other people to then feel like that and put their own expectations on, mm-hmm. um, it's such a refreshing way of thinking for those that will be listening or watching to think actually I'm doing something positive with my with my life and I've just got to raise my own expectations which is good um, since your last fight going into your new fight um, I've seen on social media it's ridiculous the amount of engagement that we get from your posts that we share from podcasts and the stuff that we see on your social media I think one of them got something like Jordan was telling me the other day something like 7 million views yeah which is just Bonkers. Went crazy. That's viral. crazy. Yeah. Which is amazing, by the all way. All of a sudden, too. Yeah. And all, it was an old Just one. like that. I wake up and all of a sudden it's going crazy. Going mental. Which is, which is fantastic. Mm. But I think with success comes negative noise, in my opinion. And I think the, 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 bigger, the, t- the bigger you are, the bigger the target. And I think a lot of people can be envious of people doing well. And I think a lot of people can... Um, throw negative things towards people that are trying to better themselves or do something new or trying to lead the way. So with your social media overnight going uh, 7 million plus on views, have you had any, what I would call negative Nellies or critics or um, comments that can be not seen as in a positive light? Oh, most definitely. You know, especially from a boxing perspective like put aside the social media perspective and all that boxing on the bigger cards having tough fights because that's how I'm being built you know I'm I'm not being built the the easier way I'm being mm. built the you know throw him to the lions and expect yeah. him to come back leading the jungle so <laughs> Um, I'm being put in tough fights early on in my career and I'm being put on big shows exposed to a very large audience and that means that I'm going to be exposed to very large, you know, different Mm. perspectives and opinions. And so the thing is, I know in myself that I'm in a stage of building and improving I'm getting better every fight as I go. But there are others who look at my performances from specific fights and they think because I'm at a show of this magnitude, I need to be performing at Mm. that same level of magnitude. But forget all that right now. The thing about criticism and envy and negative talks is... If I become the best version a fighter can be, 
the best version Zizo the boxer can be. Will the negative comments and criticism stop? No. It's not going anywhere. Never. Muhammad Ali was criticized up until his last fight. Terence Crawford, who is the first ever undisputed champion at two weight classes in the four belt era, is still being criticized. Devin Haney, an undisputed champion. Undisputed means you have all the belts in a weight division. Is still being criticized by people today. So I've come to learn that negativity and critics will be there regardless of how good or bad I'm doing. So what is something that is always there, but you don't let it affect you, but will only affect you if you let it, you see? So mm. what is something that is always there, it is not affecting you because you don't let it affect you and will never change? It's called irrelevant. <laughs> That's what it's called. That's what it's called. So oh, something, I love that. something that is there, never goes away you can't do anything about it and it can't do anything to you but is always there that is the definition of something that is irrelevant and this is this is this is where i'm gonna hit right now okay i'm ready the only way you become part of the circus is when you entertain the clown mm. and so If I start entertaining the negativity and the critics that are coming from all over the place, then I become part of the circus. Yeah. I've entertained the clown, not in the person, but I've entertained the clown in the comments, in what they're saying. There is criticism, not even a good constructive criticism and stuff. I don't care about that. People are entitled to their own opinion. People are entitled to their own thoughts and views on how I fight or how I'm doing now. But people can't start throwing at me criticism and negativity that I will learn and accept from about mm. how far I will go. That is not for you to decide and that is not for me to decide either. That is for me to adapt to and for you to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I did face, you know, criticism and negativity as I expected mm. that would happen. And when you expect something, it doesn't really shock you when it comes. So just being a professional boxer or a figure and an athlete in a professional sport, you expect all that. But I've also actually come to learn from them. So if I'm in a fight and the commentators are speaking about me in a negative or a critical way that they don't really understand what the game plan for this fight was that is making me look that specific way, I still do though listen to these comments if they say my feet are moving slow Rather than me going, but you don't know why my feet are moving slow. My game plan is A, B, and C. Mm. I just go like, you know what? What if my feet could get faster? Yeah. Not for this fight. This fight is done now and gone. But what if I can get my feet faster? You know, they noticed it 
for a reason. Maybe mm -hmm. they don't know what I'm trying to do or what I'm being instructed by my coach. They can't really listen in as like always. Mm -hmm. But what if I can get faster feet? Zizo is always leaning on his front foot. But this, but that. I could keep saying but till mm -hmm. the morning and explain why in this specific moment I'm leaning on my front foot or I could be like, wait, you know what? There is more bad to come from leaning on my front foot than, yeah. than good. So you know, what, what about if I work on not leaning on my front foot? And, and so I've taken that. I've learned from that. I've learned from the criticism, from the negativity. And I think it's being selective with the negative to improve the performance. Yeah. I think exactly. that's what's the most important thing. And I think the, the knockdown, the negative noise, mm -hmm. taking the feedback... Um, accepting all of the above to then improve performance that has resulted in the 12 weeks mm -hmm. a lot of things have come into your basket to actually make that decision exactly so lots exactly. of things have all flowed together and what will be the outcome Zizzo will improve mm -hmm. Zizzo will improve exactly and you'll be constantly getting better but all if, you, if you're trying to anyway we're all constantly getting better and if you put that as a forefront of learning development improvement the noise will be the noise anyway. It's the, and again, it's deciphering and deciding what you could take as an opportunity. So in, working on your footwork around improving the speed of it, yeah, that's going to benefit overall. Uh, but someone just put in a negative comment for being negative, you, you just dismiss that and move on to the next. Mm -hmm. um, so with Saudi Arabia, the shows that they're putting on, I think it's outstanding and I think they're doing more and more and more around um, boxing events obviously and other sporting events what's it like I haven't spoke to you what was it like to do it in your own country on that 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 size then you went to the after mm. the after party and then got to meet lots of different people what was that like from from coming from that area but then also as a as a country what's it like what's the feeling well Right now, what Saudi Arabia is doing in the world, not just in the Arab world, mm. what Saudi Arabia is doing in the world is they are actually starting to become the capital of the globe, the mm. capital of the world. That's how I see it. Saudi Arabia right now with Vision 2030 is becoming the fastest growing economy in the world. They are the fastest growing economy in the world. So with the events that they are putting on, with the attractions that they are, you know, bringing into the country and the new ideas and people that can come into the country and see it for themselves, it's just something I never imagined mm. to even be happening at this scale, let alone this fast. And, um, you know, I can only speak to what I'm involved in with mm. Vision 2030, one of the biggest pillars in the vision is sports. And I'm a athlete for Saudi Arabia, but I'm not only an athlete for Saudi Arabia given this vision, but I'm now also starting to become a spokesperson for Saudi Arabia, a representative mm. for Saudi Arabia. And that is all because I'm part of 
Skill Challenge Promotions. Skill mm-hmm. Challenge Promotions is the company that's bringing all the uh, boxing events to Saudi Arabia. And uh, it's uh, run by Prince Khalid. Prince Khalid is, is a person who, and I really mean it when I say it, he's completely changed my life. You know, you don't get used to your dreams coming true, but even more so, you don't get used to the person who has given these mm. dreams to you. You know, you don't ever stop owing that person. And I owe Prince Khaled really my career and my life because he's given me my career and he's given me that purpose in my life. But even more so, what they're doing with Skill Challenge Promotions, bringing in the boxing to Saudi Arabia or what the country is doing in bringing in the golf the football that this there's a bigger picture to it there is a bigger picture to it in which as a country and as a person i expect and i understand that people might not get now or people might have their own ideas or mm-hmm. interpretations or conceptions on them but the whole idea on it the bigger picture is to bring unity to bring you know that cultural mix-up between two very different sides of the world, two very different, you know, the, the West and the Arab world and how all can come together and actually discover more about each other. But when you go to a country or you go visit a place that you have never been to before or interact with people who you've never interacted with before, it's natural to feel uncomfortable. You will feel uncomfortable. Mm. But when you're going there and there is an event that's happening that you have been to before Mm. or you have watched before, you've seen before, like a Formula One or a boxing fight or if it's golf or if it's a football game, at least no matter how uncomfortable you feel in the beginning, you know that there's a place where you are going to feel comfortable. There's that football game where you are going to feel Mm -hmm. comfortable. There's that Formula One race where you are going to feel comfortable. And once you are there, all cultures and all differences are put aside. We are all here for this event. We all share the same passion. We all share means of discussion. We all share means of interaction. And when we come together, that's just perfect for everyone solves problems much much larger than we even think you know it gives it gives you perspective on different cultures and people and how they live their lives i think um if you remember i sent you a voice note on instagram didn't i about mm. maybe four weeks ago now i can't remember yeah and i was in a meeting around because we do lots of things all over the yeah. world don't we and i was in a meeting with um um, people from Saudi Arabia, and yeah. we was in. We were supporting um, special educational needs and disability children. And I don't know if they were doctors or professors, but they were they were in that realm of of expertise. And they've they flew over from Saudi Arabia to learn about our services, our products, mm. what we were mm. doing to help young people with either that be Down syndrome or mobility issues or all the rest of it. 
and I didn't know where they were from. I was just doing our, our pitch. And then they said that they were from Saudi Arabia. And I was like, this is mad. <laughs> so then I sent you a voice note, didn't I? Saying I'm speaking to people from Saudi Arabia yeah. about what we're doing. We might be doing stuff over there. And then after that, which you don't know, I spoke to one of my um, um, other business partners. And they're doing stuff around sustainability with Saudi Arabia. Mm. So then we are partners with this organization around health and well-being. We're the only health and well-being partner. So then they were saying about flying over to Saudi Arabia. And I was like, that's mad, that is, isn't it? So yeah, you, I might be good. there soon. Yeah, see, that, walking that, around. What you a could, small world. You could, be, uh, you could be my tour guide. You can yeah. take me around, <laughs> which would be nice. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I just thought I'll, I'll mention that because the... the Yes, from a sporting perspective, because that's what I see mostly. Mm. They're making such an impact, and yes, they are growing at exponential rate. And then the stuff that I'm doing from a from a profession around health and well-being, that's another feed of information that we're getting also, uh, which is again fantastic for everyone about unity, which we discussed already. Yeah. Um, Jordan, what was that quote you told me the other day? Thought it'd be good to bring it up. In case you didn't hear that. Um, Holding on to a grudge. What was it again? Holding on to grudges. Holding on to grudges. It's like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. And I thought of that when Jordan was mentioning it about have you held up any grudges? Has anybody held grudges on you? And how does that feel with what your philosophy is like around mindset? promotion of positivity etc so i've spoken about how the more you run away from emotions the more they'll run after you and then from grudges then i learned also that the more you hold on to unwanted emotions the more you are letting hold on to you so the more grudges I hold against a person or two or three, the more grudges that are holding me down, the more grudges that are holding me from whatever I'm trying to do in my life, from moving on in my life, from taking the next step in my life. So there is a conception that when you forgive someone for something they did, you are letting them off or you are letting them go too easily when in reality when you forgive someone for something they did when you let go of that grudge the grudge lets go of you you let go of something that has been holding you down when you forgive someone for something they did you don't forgive them for them you mm. forgive them for you so you can keep going, so you can move on. And again, when someone does something to you, if they move on with their lives and they keep going, they don't care if you keep going and move on with your life or not. They'll keep going on and moving on with theirs. So why let someone control and dictate your pace? Why let someone or what they did control and dictate your emotions or how your life will pan out or how you're feeling with yourself, how you are accepting your own, your own self because of what someone else did to you. So 
yes, I've been put in situations where I had no choice but to hold a grudge and it's okay to react in holding a grudge but it's not okay to keep holding on to that grudge. It's not okay to let that grudge hold on to you. And that's what I had to learn. If I had to move on and, and get better and evolve, then I had to let go. And that's what makes you calmer. Mm. That's what makes you happier. That's what makes you more adapting to whatever is going to come next at your life. Because like it or not, like I said, we learn more from those who go than those who stay. And that's what just made me more accepting to incidents that would in the past make me hold a grudge, but now I just see it as a lesson. I see it as something that I will learn from. And again, I think um, letting go of a grudge, like you mentioned then, that supports calmness. Mm-hmm supports presence exactly. and that results into stronger faith of whatever the objective is or whatever you're trying to achieve um i just want to say thank you for coming on again i wish you all of the best of luck going forward um i know you'll smash your fight you i know you, i know you'll do well i'll be watching as always thank you for having me um and hopefully um we can see you soon you will in Saudi. In Saudi. In Saudi Arabia. Okay, this time. I'll, I'll, text you, I'll text you when I'm coming over. Um, so again, I do, we do really appreciate your time. No, thank you, thank you, honestly, for giving me the platform. And you know, these 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 stuff is part of the dreams that I'm telling you. You never get used to. I I don't ever imagine myself giving talks in the UK you know, mm. to a, a larger and new audience. These are all dreams. So thank you for giving me the platform and the opportunity. And I just look forward to more therapy sessions. <laughs> this wasn't a podcast, you know, that I needed this way more than, <laughs> you know, you needed me here for it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Craig.